0: This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 AM. Visit us on
1: www.kpulpit.co.za.
0: of Change Time with myself, Lauren Jacobs and it's Radio Cape Pulpit 7 to 9am your daily companion and I'm going to be your daily companion as you drive home right now I want you to get home safely and also want you to be with me a little bit in the show because it's going to be such an important one I'm going to be joined by Rachel Bentley the CEO and co-founder of an organization called Children on the Edge and you know what Children on the Edge is doing such amazing work globally it's an incredible organization that is transforming communities where children's rights are not adhered to. And the, the, you know what? The UN actually has a global treaty. It's called the Convention for the Rights of the Child. And this convention is a promise. It's a promise that was made in 1989 by governments across the world to do everything in their power to protect and promote children's rights to survive, to thrive, to learn, to grow, to make their voices heard, to reach their full potential. And children on the edge are doing phenomenal work in different countries around the world where children's rights are not being adhered to where their lives are being affected where there's exploitation of children, where their dignity is not being valued and they work in countries like Uganda which is going to be the focus of today's show. They also work in Bangladesh India, Myanmar, Lebanon and they work as well on the India Nepal border where brothels are holding children and also doing things like trafficking which is very very intense. And so today the CEO Rachel Bentley is joining me and she She strategically directs all the global operations of this amazing organization. And this involves, of course, identifying the overlooked children living on the margins of our societies. And she works in relationship with local partners, pioneering new initiatives to help children thrive. And you know what? She's been doing this for over 30 years. And it's incredible. She also does occasional work for the UN agencies, particularly in the area of children's rights. It's so incredible. And you know what? She's going to be joining me today. We're going to get really deep into the work they're doing, but we're also going to be getting into a little bit of a challenge today because we're going to be talking a lot about ritual sacrifice, child ritual sacrifice, something that's not spoken about, something that is not seen, something that's not heard from many, many people outside of the communities where this is happening. And this is a passion area for me, and I know that we are going to be challenged with this conversation, and we're going to be pressed to pray and pressed GG figure out what kind of hope we can be bringing in this situation so don't go anywhere Rachel's with me after this Rachel I want to say thank you so much for being with me today this is going to be such a great conversation I'm excited to be talking about the work children on the edge is doing and specifically today we're going to be talking about Uganda or Uganda depending how we pronounce it and I know that there's so many different areas of work that you guys are doing so many different nations as well and so this is exciting So Rachel Fursey thank you so much and welcome to the show today It's my real pleasure great to be able to chat to you Now tell us a little bit or as much as you would like to about the amazing work that Children on the Edge is actually doing in Uganda Because I know there's some different spaces where you guys are working tell us a bit about that
1: Yeah, sure. We work in two areas. We work in slums, um, mainly around Ginger at the moment, but we're actually expanding across the nation. Um, And then we also work in the refugee camps. So firstly, the slums, um, what we do there is support local teams to create safe environments for children. Um, So actually ensure that the whole community is safe for children Um, and the way that we do that is train up local child protection teams from within the community Mm. Um, and they're actually um, elected from within the community so it's a democratic process a team of 10 in each community and they're volunteers um, but they get things like t-shirts and um, you know other little bits like that Mm. Um, and they create what we do is workshops with them initially train them in all aspects of child protection how to create a safe place for children um and then in turn they train as do we do workshops within the community so we um so first and foremost ensuring there's a safer environment for children from um abuse from things all all things like ritual sacrifice Mm -hmm. and the way we do that is these these team of people become very respected in their communities they're um they have identity badges they have t-shirts they get given a bicycle two bicycles and um loudspeakers so they can actually um w- what they've been particularly um very good at is actually camping down on child sacrifice in those communities um, so that if a child goes missing they can announce it across the community they can get on the bicycle and go to the police station Um, but it's more than just those type of cases it's actually just making the community aware about how to look after children so there'll be workshops on parenting workshops on domestic abuse workshops on child abuse so really training up those group of ten people to be really empowered to do the best they can for their own communities and in time those communities really get to trust those ten people and they are linked to all the various social welfare services and the police in Uganda so that cases they can't deal with obviously get referred to the um, correct services and they're also in touch with our team so it's Mm -hmm. not children on the edge Africa that does the work it is the community Um, and so that Mm -hmm. that's where the real change comes from within the communities themselves
0: Mm. I love that, and we actually speak about that often when we're talking about issues of social injustices. We talk about, you know what, People, not outsiders coming in and then trying to take over and do all the work it's exactly like you're saying, talking about people in the community, helping them, getting trained up and they're actually doing the work in their communities and they understand their communities well and the cultural realities that's happening there, so this is so important the work exactly. that you're talking yeah. about yeah. so yeah. I love that that's what you guys have been doing and you've been doing this for quite some time in Uganda, yes, haven't you? Yes,
1: since 2011 and actually even our social workers there, our key social Worker who heads up this child protection work in the communities, Um, she actually her background is from one of those communities herself so she came from that Mm. so even our outside link is someone who really understands the community and that's so important because um you know that's how it sticks otherwise you're just another ngo that goes in another Mm. outsider another one who they're so used to sadly and i'm sure it's the same in south africa so many ngos just going in and Mm. promising stuff and never quite gets fulfilled so when they take ownership themselves of their own problems and we just give them the support and the training Um, to be able to, you know, to make their community safer places. um, It's absolutely key. And that's just one element. Another element that we do, obviously, to make a community safe for children. It's not just about camping down on things like child sacrifice and um, trying to stop child abuse and educating the community in all aspects of um, childhood and development and parenting. Um, But it's also, you know, you've got to be real. They've got to, Put food on the table for those hmm. children um and so we have a program called an it started off being called an educational loan program so it's loans um for the community to actually set up small businesses to be able to get their own income so that they can put food on the table and get children educated, which is why we were worried about all the children that are out of school hmm. um, and though primary education is free. Um, supposedly in in uganda there 's all those incidental costs like school uniforms and food and other bits, so by providing these business loans we 've been able to get um, carers parents on their own feet be able to actually enable them to cover those costs for those children to go to school and also put at least two meals um, on the table a day and When we first visited these communities, you know these these families would be lucky if they could feed a child every other day mm. with one meal, so to get two meals on the table and to get their child to school through these education loans business loans um has been a really successful part of the program as well Mm -hmm. and then in some locations we have early childhood centers Um, as you know you know it's those key early years in a child's development is is when you can have real impact and when you can really help train and support the the parents when the children are young so so those are three aspects of the program to actually transform a society a community to ensure it's a safe place where children can really thrive and amazingly those business loans have really worked um mm. they get training um and they come with their ideas and we help them refine their ideas and give them support um and you know at least 90 percent of those loans are over that are, are paid back so quite uh, a successful program and you know their children go to school and the children get fed and at the same time the child protection teams are there making the community safer
0: Mm. I love this because you're talking about the success of what is happening and that is so inspiring and really, really encouraging. And like you said, been working there since 2011. So this year will be 10 years, so a bit of a decade for you guys over there, which is absolutely incredible. And the work that you're doing, I know that, you know, a lot of people actually started to think about what was happening in Uganda, specifically in the slums and in Jinja when they saw that movie Queen of Katwe, And uh, everybody was loving it. I know so many people that love that movie. And for maybe the listeners that haven't watched it, it's such a beautiful movie. Go and watch it. Obviously it follows one, individual story but there's a lot of things that's happening and so we realize there is a lot that is going on and a lot that needs to be tackled and I know that you guys have a child rights approach with regards to the work that you do now explain that a bit to us because maybe some people would think okay what is a child rights approach what kind of rights do children even have it's actually not something that people think about a lot but children have a lot of rights we know that the un has the treaty of you know the rights afforded to children so why do you guys have this child rights approach what exactly is it
1: i mean it's quite simple really it's that rather than a child be the object of our charity that we realize that they have dignity as an individual human being and rather like what i've just explained in the communities our whole model of doing things is Ownership by the community, um, you know, giving them their dignity rather than they be objects of our charity and somehow we go in as the strong people from the outside. So it's the same with the child rights approach. It's just ensuring that child all the children we work with dignity, giving them their own voice. So even in the design of a program, we would ask children what they think um you know and and how their lives are and interview them and say how things and and try and get an understanding from them so giving the child some agency rather than just assume us assuming what we think their needs are and going in and designing programs like that but fundamentally it's just um ensuring that you know assuring that child has dignity rather than we see them as an object of charity and, and sometimes i think we do take you know we there are so many agencies that go in and think they're designing great programs without even talking to the people, mm-hmm. no matter the children. So really, that's I mean, obviously, I can go into all the rights of the UN Convention on yeah. the Rights of the Child, and we ensure that you know a child has all of its rights afforded um, to them in their program in, in our program. So rather than just go in and do the you know. Just creating a safe environment for children with a child protection team, providing early childhood education, ensuring their parents have loans so they can provide food and schooling for them. We also do other things. So we ensure that there are child rights clubs in the communities. Hmm. That sounds, you know, sounds complicated, but it's not. It's simply a forum where children gather in a group with some obviously adult supervision with hmm. social workers, but where they can discuss um stuff about their lives, discuss their needs, discuss their problems, you know, anything they want to bring up and they start to change their communities and then they have an agenda themselves. So the first child rights club we set up was in a small slum on the outskirts of Ginger and they gathered and they have, we do some basic training on children's rights, you know, what rights they have under the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. Um, and then they start engaging with their communities, talking about their communities, talking about their lives, talking about what they'd like to see changed. And one of those first groups decided they wanted the community to be cleaner. And so the children, they gathered all the other children in the community and had this massive sweep up and clean up. And, um, mm-hmm. and actually since that day, it shamed the adults. See, that community has been much cleaner. So that was one of the first things they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, and there are other examples. And then, I mean, another community we work in, um, the children kept telling us that, um, there was an early childhood center and they said the back of the center was unsafe um that adults would walk past and there were cases of apparently child abuse that had happened there um and they, they campaigned for a fence. they said if we don't have a fence around the children's center um you know certain adults in the community who uh, um you know are creating problems for us that we're scared of that have um you know abused some children are coming to that back of the Um, Building and and this came out in one of the child rights clubs and none of the adults had told us that in that community we had no idea Mm. so it came from the children and as a result a fence was built around that community centre and um, it's now a safe place for children to be and and we had a similar situation where girls told us um, we had a gathering in a child rights club and our social worker was there and the girls said that they felt very unsafe going to collect water from the well Mm. because it they had to walk through a sugarcane field. And that um, certain men had been lurking around there and creating problems for them. And actually, there was a couple of cases of of child abuse within that sugarcane plantation. And the issue turned out, you know, it was the children that gave us the solution. The adults weren't. It was They said, it's on our way to when we collect water. And so then the community changed the system. So no child went alone to collect water. Um, They were assisted by an adult. And, you know, it was just things like that so when it comes from the children themselves you discover issues in the community that possibly the adults are not even aware of um, and then stuff can be done about those issues whether it's by the adults or by the children themselves so
0: Hmm. This is incredible, though, because a lot of times I think that people do not take into account things or take seriously often. I know in many different societies, we don't take very, very seriously the things that children say. And there's often a lot of times where we're told that we have to listen. If a child tells you they're uncomfortable around someone, they're telling you the truth. They are uncomfortable around yep. that person. Yeah, yeah. Or if something is happening, they're going to be open and honest. There is more mm-hmm. of an honesty that comes or you yeah. say a lot more things when you are a child. So I think that this is so incredible and so great it's almost a lesson that people can take away from today for their own lives and their own communities to have a specific approach that does take into account what the children are saying how they feel what's happening in their communities and so i love that you guys are doing that as well you know there was you know growing up i always heard the saying that said children should be seen and not heard It was something that, you know, I heard a lot of when I was a child. Mm. I wasn't a child that long ago, you know, a couple of decades ago, but still. And that is not how it should be. And it's exactly what you're sharing with us as well, is that children have rights and also children are going to say things that happen and they're going to speak up. So I think that that's so important. We can take this for our own communities, even in our faith communities, not so, that children, we need to listen to them.
1: Yeah, and I think particularly in our faith communities, we're kind of scared of, even using the language children's rights mm. and giving children agency but actually that's all it is it's quite simple it's just res- it's respecting their dignity and it's realizing they do have something to say um and you know and particularly in the african context when you take, talk about children's rights you also talk about children's responsibilities at the same time um and they do have those but i think it's creating a safe place and that takes time you know that's mm. not done overnight children don't come forward you know it, it took a few meetings it took a good few months before the girls in that children's rights club felt safe enough to say um Mm -hmm. when we go to the well we get um chased by men on the way and and some of us have been abused you know that that's not that's not easy to say they had to feel safe you had to you have to create that environment and it's so important to create that right so it's not as though they're coming forward with stories and saying hey this is going on and, and lying at all It's genuine truth that just takes a while to come to the surface because they've got to make sure that they really are safe before they start telling you that sort of stuff. But Mm. when, when when you do create those safe places, the transformation that happens in the communities is astonishing. Hmm.
0: and and Rachel have you found that sometimes in different communities not just in Uganda but in different communities children that are part of the programs and are doing things in their communities from a young age do you find that as they grow up and as adults they want to get even more so involved in creating change in their communities
1: absolutely we've got some good examples of, um, yeah they're not even teenagers now they're early 20s actually yeah they grow up and they become quite you know amazing activists so mm. yeah and actually we've got an example of someone who actually heads up one of the child protection teams who, who was a child um, in one of our programs so yeah, yeah absolutely
0: mm, I love that you know what we don't want you to go anywhere because we still have so much to talk about here with Rachel and it's been such a good conversation already we're going to get into some very important things when we get back so enjoy some music with us and don't go anywhere stay tuned If you're just joining me welcome to voice of change with myself lauren jacobs and i've been joined by rachel bentley the ceo and co-founder of children on the edge and we're talking specifically about the work that is happening in uganda and it's been such an informative conversation here already and you know what rachel one of the things you touched on is something that i really want to bring to the awareness of the listeners today because i don't think it's something that people think about often and that's the reality of ritual child sacrifice it is yeah, yeah. happening. And a lot yes, of people yeah. don't even think about it. We we just go, okay, well, it's maybe something we see long ago, you know, or things that we read about in books or documentaries. But it is actually happening. We don't realize mm-hmm. this is still happening every single day. So tell us a little yeah. bit, a bit more about it, what is driving it, how big of a problem it is in Uganda this ritual child sacrifice? You have touched on it a few times. Share with mm-hmm. the listeners exactly what it is and what's happening with that.
1: Sure. Um,
0: yeah Sadly, it is
1: still happening in Uganda and in other nations. Um, only a few weeks ago, there was a case in Busia, actually the border of um, Uganda and Kenya. Um, it's. I mean, a lot of it is driven by poverty. Um, the idea, if you have a sacrifice, I mean, often it's a sacrifice. Anyone who knows about witchcraft, it'd be a sacrifice of a chicken, or you know, the sacrifice of the animal brings blessing mm. upon what they're doing is what they believe. Um, and sadly, the, they believe that the those who you know are in, involved in these practices, and sadly, is, it is fairly widespread. Um, they believe that the child's blood is is purer, the purest form of blood. So mm. you know, a chicken's fairly basic, and then it goes up a few animals, and then there's the human adult. Um, and then there's the child, and the child's blood is seen as very pure. So, as part of the ceremony, if you offer the child's, the child as a sacrifice or part of the child, because sometimes the, the child is not always killed. Sadly, they're said mutilated. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, both scenarios are terrible. And the i the belief is that through these ceremonies, they can get blessings upon themselves and upon their families, and blessings upon their businesses. So often, it's driven by poverty and people having these ceremonies done for themselves so that they become richer but also sadly it is um still done even by senior businessmen in that country in uganda you know before they it's been known that um, parts of a children's child's body have actually been put in the foundations of a building to be blessing mm-hmm. upon that building upon that business that has gone on in the last few years and there are quite a few cases of that so yeah this belief that Um, By doing one of these ceremonies, by having a sacrifice, whether it be a chicken or, um, or part of a child, that this will bring blessing upon them. And it's just so awful that it's the child's blood that is seen as the purest and that will give you the most blessing. Um, so what we've been doing, um, in Uganda is trying, that was actually one of the reasons that we started our child protection teams. Um, you know, they were started to stop all all forms of exploitation and abuse against the child in these some communities, but in particular to create safer places because the children they get hold of these um, which doctors um, the children they get hold of are the vulnerable children, the ones that are running around not being looked after. Often the children of elderly-headed households, rather like South Africa, is you know a lot of the community, mm-hmm. particularly in these slums, um, you know they're elderly-headed households or they're single women. You know so many people have died due to um, AIDS, HIV/AIDS, and um, you've you've got these vulnerable children just lurking around, running around the community that are easier to to capture, um, and that's mm-hmm. what's been going on and. Under, I mean, there's, the, so on on the, at the community level, we've been creating safer environments and simple things, as I mentioned earlier, giving the community child protection teams bicycles and loudspeakers to be able to get to the police, to be able to announce a child's gone missing. And there have been quite a few cases where a child's managed to be, you know, they've managed to get the child back from the perpetrator before anything's been done and then at national level it's no good just trying to stamp it out at community level what we found out in our work is that there was no standalone legislation um, when it came to human sacrifice so if a child was murdered or if an adult was murdered you could bring a case under um, the penal law murder law within the country but there was no standalone legislation on human sacrifice so Mm -hmm. we've been working for many many years with a private mp with a to get a private members bill through parliament um, which is the prevention and prohibition of human sacrifice and harmful practices um, bill and our hope is um, it's not far off being tabled at parliament and far off first reading so our hope is that becomes law um, this year and that there's been an awful lot of work into that to make sure it's just not another one of those you know laws that sits on the shelf and Mm is not implemented to make sure it really um does stick that um that you know if police don't report cases they're they're um you know culpable under the act as well so because mm-hmm. a lot of the times you know you can sadly what happens is they pay off the police and the case doesn't mm-hmm. come to court so it's been really thought through the whole bill we've had amazing lawyers within um uganda give their time on working on it and we've actually in the We've been working on it since about 2012, 2013. Um, and in the last few years, thankfully, World Vision joined us. So together with World Vision and this private MP, um, we're trying to get this private members bill into into law. So working at the two levels, the local level, making the communities safer, um for children so that particularly where there are vulnerable poor children that could easily be stolen abducted mm-hmm. that those places are made safer and on the um second uh, secondly to really ensure that there is national legislation where you can bring these perpetrators to justice and hopefully start to stamp out the terrible practice
0: Mm. thank you so much for for really really enlightening us about this rachel because it's something that's so important for us to realize this is happening and i know that when i was Mm -hmm. in west africa in ghana specifically female ritual servitude happens you know where girls are offered at altars and they're not killed but they have to live with these older priests and they are offered there for the sins of their fathers or all mm-hmm. of these things, and and people don't realize this is happening. You know, yeah. it is really happening, and it's something we can even, you know, that I want to challenge people that are listening today from faith communities to think about and to to pray about. And we do pray that these bills mm-hmm. will get passed because I mean, it we really need that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we, this,
1: this this has been we've been waiting for this for a few years, but we've now got an opportunity because the private member of parliament, the MP who's pushing this through, actually lost his seat in the recent elections, mm. and what he said to us. Um, only a few days ago was this can be my last act so suddenly he's going to actually he said now we need to run a marathon before may because they leave their seats in may um so the hope is that the first reading will happen by may and that really is our hope and our prayer um because it really you know these perpetrators need to be brought to justice because so many children Um, are mutilated and then there's not a lot that can be done under national law to bring these perpetrators to justice so it's really and even even when children are murdered there's you know there's not much effort put into to to bring these perpetrators to justice so it's really important that this legislation goes through so yeah, yeah your support and prayers and hope would be great
0: yeah we will we must definitely do that I really really want to say that to everybody listening today because the fact that there are no laws you know, to protect Mm -hmm. these children or to bring perpetrators to justice is something that I can't fathom, you know, we can't fathom in our mind why Mm -hmm. this practice has been going on forever. How yeah. can it not be these laws and we pray that truly the, this will happen, you know, that this marathon yeah. will be run and it will be run yeah. with great victory and success. Because mm-hmm. it is so, so, so important this about, I think it was about two or three weeks ago, I just happened to flip on the TV to Discovery Channel, one of those, and they were doing a documentary on a mummy that was found, you know, two and a half thousand years ago. And it was this very, very Indiana Jones type story, you know, that was happening with this Mm -hmm. mummy that was found and everything. And, you know, obviously they take you through the whole forensics and who this person was and what was happening. They were found, this person was found alone on top of a mountain, mummified 2,500 years ago. And it actually came out that it was a young girl who had actually been sacrificed as a child sacrifice. And I didn't sleep that night. Even though the documentary, Mm -hmm. it's just a documentary. It wasn't scary Mm -hmm. or anything like that. It was just very um, good to watch. But it was it was very very shocking you know to see this and to see what had happened and they tell you exactly what happened and to know that this is still taking place today and one of the people in the documentary said well you know it's hard to think that this was happening so long ago but as a woman today we have more rights and she was talking about that (laughs) because it was a young girl that was sacrificed and I thought but no this is is still happening maybe just not in western societies Mm -hmm. you know but it's still happening and here on the continent of africa where where i live it's happening and yeah. so i think it's so important we have our eyes just, open to this
1: yeah yeah we so need to stand out and do something about it and you know we've had a lot of opposition as you can imagine because senior people are involved mm. it isn't just you know poor people trying to get richer by doing these ceremonies it is mm. senior businessmen senior politicians you know so trying to get this um bill through parliament we you know it's not easy Mm-hmm. Um, but we believe it is on its way. So
0: Yes, absolutely, and we're going to pray for that. And, mm-hmm. and Rachel, I wanted to also ask you, in many communities we know that uh, the devaluation of children is happening, and especially for mm-hmm. girls. We know that girls are so vulnerable when we talk about, you know, sexual violence that happens with girls. Are there specific programs designed to help young girls, especially that you guys do? Um, what we
1: tend to do is make sure that every program that is designed really considers that first and foremost so rather than create Mm. separate programs that we you know it's an element of design in every single program um but there are specifics i mean there are specific gatherings specific workshops clubs and stuff that we do with the girl child in, in various communities where we feel that they'd benefit from just being together with their um yeah fellow girlfriends as opposed to um some of the boys in the community but actually what's interesting i'm finding in the slum communities that we work and in, in Uganda is it's we have problems engaging the boys and engaging mm. the men Wow. So some of our child rights club, the feisty ones, the one in charge, the secretary, and the other. <laughs> they're all the girls. They're, it's the girls bringing the change. And actually, we found ourselves trying to get, you know, can you go and tell your um, friends in the community and friends at school who are the boys to get involved? So wow. we, we've got the opposite opposite <laughs> issue, thankfully, which is fairly unusual. But, yeah, we've got some feisty real activist girls in the some communities mm. in Uganda and they've got a lot to say. But, yeah, we do have specific forums where we do gather girls and do Mm. specific stuff for them and actually a lot of the businesses you know it's um the business training we do it's very orientated towards um teenage girls and often these you know that these vulnerable um single parents quite often are in their late teens um, so we really give them a lot of help in helping them look after their children and also um in getting them business loans. So we do a lot of work of teenage mothers so there so there are teenage mother programs that we um that we support
0: hmm that's incredible and I love to hear that the girls are you know rising <laughs> rising up yeah. and me. those those feisty <laughs> feisty women it's so incredible to hear that you know because we often talk about female leadership and we talk about women rising up and it's so so interesting to hear that it's so beautiful to hear that and Rachel I want to ask you lastly you know How can we help? You know, what can we do when people sit listening really to something like this and they hear the things that you were sharing, they hear this conversation. I think sometimes in their mind they think, you know, should I just be, I I can't go to Uganda, I can't do much. What can we really be doing to Help stop what is happening, this exploitation of children. Is it that we financially help? Is it that we get involved? You know, what would be Mm -hmm. the challenge to the listeners today if they're listening and going, okay, you know, these things are touching my heart. You're speaking to something that I'm passionate about. I don't know what to do about it. What can they do? How can we get involved or how can we help?
1: I think certainly supporting agencies like ourselves, um, identifying the agencies that are um, running well, bringing this change but through a community-led process mm. so i think you know be intelligent in the agencies that you identify ensuring that they really are and because i don't think you can bring real change unless the community are really on board unless it's really owned by them so i would mm. say identify organizations like ourselves um that you know we're simply partnering the local communities to bring the change themselves giving them Um, the ownership empowering them um, that's important and you mentioned it to pray and to, to educate yourself as well so that people can start you know human sacrifice is not talked about much educate yourself on what is going on on your continent and become active there are campaigns um, you know, support agencies like ourselves or World Vision that are doing all they can to stamp this practice out and there will be others but just ensure that the approach is community owned and Mm -hmm. community led otherwise these things just fizzle out I've seen so many programs with good intentions go into communities and they don't last long because the community are not involved in the process and you know it takes thing is it's not um it, it takes years so we've yeah. been there since 2011 and these things are long term so you know it's not a flash in the pan you can't just go and do a two or three year program and then leave and mm-hmm. bring change you have to really be alongside these communities until they can stand on their own two feet so so okay. yeah that would be mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got local communities in your area where you live, you know, go and see what you can do, see who's I, – I think it's always interesting, whatever community you go in, however hard, however difficult, there will always be within those communities, groups that are trying to change their own communities, whether it be women's groups or – You know however hard the township is though you'll find you'll find activity going on and you can usually it takes a while identify really honest good people who are trying to bring all the change they can bring within their own communities and all they need is people just to walk alongside them whether it's just um it may not always be financial support it may just be moral support and just being there and you know giving them the clout sometimes that they need having another voice added to you know to their campaign. So, yeah, just identify those who are really bringing the change within their own communities and get alongside them and walk alongside them.
0: Hmm. Amen to that. Rachel, thank you so, so much for being with me today. This has been such a great show to be with you, to be learning. It's been such a blessing as well. And thank you so much for all the amazing work that Children on the Edge are doing. And I really, really do pray that over the many, many years that you will still continue this amazing work, that it's just going to be such an incredible change that's going to come in communities for the better around the world, everywhere where you guys are working. So thank you so much. And again, just all the blessings that can possibly be upon you guys for this important work.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to share some of what is going on. Um, Not by us, by the Ugandans themselves, which is great.
0: Mm, Yes. Thank you so much, Rachel. Take care. You know, being with Rachel today has been such a blessing, Trudy. I can't say it enough, but also because these kind of issues are something that is so close to my heart. And I think that as we were sharing today, I'm sure that these become issues that will be close to your heart. And, you know, when we think of things, we cannot think of things as though they are happening across our border, so they don't have anything to do with us. We need to think of ourselves as being part of what Christ said would be the answer to the world. You know, we need to be the light in this dark place, but also we need to be filled with hope and to give that hope to others. And today I want us to do something that I don't often do on Voice of Change because we're talking about so many different issues, but just to hear everything that's happening. I really want us to pray together right now today because I feel that this legislation that Rachel was referring to it is something that is so important something that is so necessary and if you just go and read a little bit about child ritual sacrifice that's happening even just in our continent you will see that it is a big issue but specifically for what we were sharing about today in Uganda what's happening we need to just have a time of prayer so please join with me today please join with me as we pray right now for this and and please you know we're two or three are gathered in his name then we know that he is with us so father we just want to pray today for everything that we shared about we want to pray for this legislation father like Rachel said, it's a, it's a marathon Father that has to be run right before May. We pray for a miracle in this place in the mighty name of our Savior. We pray for a miracle at this point. Father, we pray that this legislation will get passed so that children's lives can be protected and saved so that justice, which is the foundation of your throne, Father, can be established in Uganda Father. We pray for this. We pray for your hand to move right now in this situation and Father for you to do a miracle for you to do amazing miracles so that many lives will be saved we come as your children asking you for the lives of these children to be protected for this practice to be stamped out and father for you to move mighty in these communities father breaking the strongholds of poverty and despair and father generational poverty we thank you for this we pray this in the name of our messiah we pray this in the name of jesus we pray this today and we seek you for this and we thank you that father you hear and that you are with us you are with these communities you are with these children we pray that it will come to pass in your mighty name we pray amen i want to say thank you so much to my amazing listeners today this has been great to be with you again on voice of change we have amazing programs coming up after the show tc is doing the yellow mic thing tonight and you don't want to miss that amazing amazing program it's been so great to be with you continue to pray for this issue continue to pray and let us continue to ask god to change the tide and we just know that he can and he will until next week see you then this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit on seven two nine a.m visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za